You're listening to Advice from Your Advocates, a show where we provide elder law advice to professionals who work with the elderly and their families. Welcome back to Advice from Your Advocates. I'm Bob Manner. I'm a certified elder law attorney in the state of Michigan. And we have a dementia-focused practice, something that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. And uh, we, I'm really excited about today's podcast. This is something I've been looking forward to. We have Elisa Bosley, who's a non-denominational Christian chaplain that has a particular focus and calling towards focusing on older adults, especially those with dementia and their families. Now, if you are interested, I was just recently on a podcast called... Um, it was Father Joe Krupp's uh, podcast uh, on, um, I'm trying to think of the name of his podcast, uh, um, Quantum Catechesis is what he calls his podcast. And so very popular podcast. If you want to check it out, I was a guest on that podcast and we talked about similar issues as to what we're going to talk about today. And so this is a really an interesting topic, and it's really kind of difficult sometimes to think about ministering to those that have some form of dementia and kind of working with their families. So, Elisa, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Thank you, Bob, so much for having me and for the good work that you do. So I, uh, as you said, I'm a non-denominational licensed chaplain uh, with a particular calling to older adults with dementia. I got involved in this work because I have uh, actually decades of experience leading worship and leading Bible studies in churches and parachurch settings kind of everywhere I've lived. And then got very involved in uh, dementia-specific care when my father-in-law developed Alzheimer's, and we were intimately involved with his care. After he passed, I started volunteering at a memory care residence uh, close to our home. And uh, I was really fortunate that they, this particular residence had and has a very strong um, commitment to uh, spiritual care for their residents, which I didn't realize at the time was unusual. It's very unusual. So given my background, I just felt like, oh my goodness, this is now bringing together everything I love, which is worship and looking at scripture and ministry with people with dementia. And then I found um, not only was it rare to see this kind of service provided at elder care residences, excuse me, But there were very, very few resources online that were specific to spiritual care for people with dementia. There was a ton of research on how valuable that kind of care is. Interesting. But very little on actually how to do it. And I'm also a professional writer and editor. So I started writing up all these materials, you know, using my background and what I learned about uh, people with dementia and created those materials myself because I couldn't find them when I was looking for them online. So that's my background. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Uh, you know, on a personal note, I'll mention m- both of my parents had different forms of dementia, mm. and they were both very devout. Uh, and once they started experiencing these dementias and very in di- very different ways, very different mm-hmm. um, uh, symptoms, very different things that they experienced, but 
both of them, it was very difficult to have them continue their devotion. And mm-hmm. um, and so I, I think that's probably a, a pretty common scenario where people that really would value and appreciate and get, you know, be um, get value from having a continuation of their devotion um, are excluded in some ways. Right. Right. That's very common. And it's it's ironic in a lot of ways, because what makes it what makes spiritual care so effective uh, often with people with dementia is the familiarity, the repetition of these of these forms that they have literally grown up practicing, you know, especially in that generation of our elders that they went to church every Sunday and those forms are are hardwired into their long term memory. And any amount of dementia care that you do, you find out pretty quickly that those are the forms that you want to try to access, anything that's in that long-term memory. And of course, religious practice and ritual is full of that. So the songs and the yeah. um, you know, the the prayers and the scriptures, and there's so much repetition. So it's it's very um it's interesting to me. But the the thing is in a normal church setting. The amount of stimulation right. is generally too much for right. people with dementia because, of course, they don't have the brain ability to process that much stimulus. So it's using those familiar forms, but simplifying them. That you know, we often work. talk about music being one of those things that folks with dementia often still can relate to. They're, they're right. um, the the neural uh, the neurons the connections still work with regard to the music, mm-hmm. and I feel like that sort of ritual is similar. Uh, not yes. just music, but all all forms of of ritual and religious um, you know rituals would be similar to that. Um, uh, those connections still exist. Mm -hmm. Music is, you're absolutely right. Music is, I would have to say probably the number one, uh, most connecting form that I find to be effective because, you know, you think about it, I've heard this said from music therapists, the, the heartbeat is our first experience of music, the rhythm. It goes back that far. Interesting. And music it's it's also oh this is one of my favorite things in in research about dementia they have discovered that the brain center that's responsible for music memory is largely completely untouched throughout the entire course of dementia right it's, right it's exactly. mind blowing it's just mind blowing and it so is. again those songs and i'm sure you know this too there's songs that come into your mind unbidden sometimes you don't want them to and they you can't get them out of your head but those old hymns and spiritual songs and gospel music, those are deeply embedded in that long-term memory. And they're full of truth and comfort and beauty. Absolutely. So, you know, better than, in my opinion, singing some, you know, jingle for a product, which also might get stuck in your head. Yes. Uh, accessing these hymns, which have that added benefit of comfort and peace and truth. Uh, so valuable. And I imagine so uh, sometimes, and this is not true in every case, Mm -hmm. it's probably a minority of cases, but there are some times where we worry about 
um, in the long-term care industry, they call them behaviors. Mm. And behaviors are somebody that's um, being verbally abusive or acting out physically. And mm. my, in my imagination, this could be very helpful in uh, in, in addressing behaviors. Uh, am mm-hmm. I on the right track? Oh, definitely. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I think uh, music for sure, but even the my experience has been that the religious, the, the church services that I provide, the benefits extend way beyond even that hour that I'm there. You know, Absolutely. that there's there's a, a last, it's not that they're going to remember what I said or the prayers or anything, right. but that sense of peace and connection can last for quite a long time. And again, there's research that um, it's what's called procedural and emotional religious activity. It's a fancy term for, you know, these forms we've been talking about that those have more lasting beneficial effects than other engaging things like bingo or, you know, right. whatever uh, trivia games. Those are all fine and good and, and have their place, but that those um, long faith-based long-term faith-based um practices have an even longer lasting benefit for people with dementia. You know, and I'm probably going down a bit of a controversial road here, but I feel like that's one of those things like religion has been, um, uh, it's not as acceptable uh, in in a very generic society and anything that's mm-hmm. going to be, um, you know, very broadly construed where we're going to invite anyone in. We try to avoid religion. And I mm-hmm. feel like in this particular case, that's a real um, that's really not ideal because mm-hmm. this is something that could provide some really um, positive comfort and um, quality of life mm-hmm. for those folks that would uh, ve- benefit from it. Right. And, I'm so uh, glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. That's a really, really important point because I think it's important to distinguish between religious care and spiritual care. Right. So I, I'm a, unapologetically, I'm a Christian chaplain. That's my background. That's what I do. But chaplains are by definition, non-denominational. That means if I um, have, and I do, of course, have elders that aren't part of my particular faith um, religion, but they still are part of another faith tradition, it's my job to help them get that spiritual care that they need. Religious care is specific to a particular religion. Spiritual care is a human need and a human right. It's a human right because it gets at the dignity and the purpose of every single human being. And of course, there are uh, those those faith-based rituals across faith traditions. And it's really important for myself or anyone who wants to provide this kind of care to find the the specific um, forms and rituals for that resident that they're working with. I'll give a quick shout out to Coro Health. I have a partnership with Coro Health because they're a content provider across the faith spectrum. So I provide Christian content for them, but their whole thing is, you know, we want to provide this, as you say, it's valuable for anybody who has a faith background of any faith or even no faith, right? That uh, this content that's from a rabbi or from an imam or whatever it may be, a priest, any kind of clergy that gets at that root need for a connection with divine and with uh, the ineffable. And that human dignity that's part of everyone. 
Yes, absolutely. That's uh, that's really fantastic. So let's get into this a little bit. Tell me a sure. little bit more about, you know, how does this work? So what <laughs> what what is this? What's unique? How do how do you do things differently? Okay. So I uh, I have found well. First of all, my calling is to bring church, as it were, into the long-term care communities where I've worked. So it's a wonderful thing for churches to try to become more dementia-friendly. That's a really a different topic and different than what I do, but boy, really worth exploring. Absolutely. So what I do is, is bring it in to the building because so often these elders are not able to get out to their places of worship anymore for whatever reason whether it's too stimulating or they're physically compromised or whatever it may be. The family members don't have the resources to get them to their place of worship, but they miss it. They really, really miss it. So I bring it in. And the materials that I've created are to really encourage anyone to bring that service into where these elders live. So, you know, I gather people up for a Sunday service. I invite everyone and anyone. I always tell people, you know, people will say, well, I'm Catholic. Are you Catholic? And I was like, well, no, I'm not. But this is for anyone. If you don't like it, you can leave. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, I've had them all come. So again, my forms are uh, mostly Christian form, but I try to incorporate elements, poetry or readings or whatever it is so that everyone can have some connection point. And again, the music is huge because a lot of people know a lot of these songs, no matter what their background is. The main things I would say that make it different are, one, slower pace. Okay. So if people ask me, what's the the one thing that I should know about uh, really interacting well with people with dementia? And the first thing I say is slow down slow down because people with dementia need extra time to process whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing, whatever sensory input there may be. So I, you know, as I'm talking to you, I'm like, this is way too fast. right? Right. But if I'm in a church service, I consciously slow my speech down. And uh, then there are uh, familiar repetition through every church service that I do. So I actually use the same lineup of songs every single week um, so that, you know, we have song books that people can use or not, or not use, you know, they're like 22 point type or whatever. And, but it's page one, page two, page three, page four. We're not skipping around, right? Cause it simplifies it. Um, the forms like uh, the Lord's prayer, the, our father, the Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, and I think a key, key aspect that makes it um, valuable and um, dignity giving to people with dementia is that it's interactive. I feel really, really strongly, and any any professional in dementia care will tell you that engaging the people is important Absolutely. as opposed as opposed to just talking at them. Yeah. So I have what I call like a, uh, it's, I basically call it an interactive homily. It's not a sermon. I do not just talk at them. There are questions based on whatever the theme for the day is. So yesterday the theme was change. And we talked about, well, you know, what sorts of things change in life? And then I wait and see what they say. Interesting. And 
uh, we go back and forth and, and whatever they say, I will affirm it and try to draw out more. And so they feel like they're participating. They don't feel like it. They actually are participating. And again, I feel like that's a matter of dignity. These people are valuable and they have always been valuable and they remain valuable. Absolutely. Their co- cognition has nothing to do with it. So those forms, the, the speed, the pacing, the repetition, the familiarity, and again, the music, probably half of the hour that I spend in a church service is music. Nice. Yeah. I had um, an experience uh, a couple of years ago. I was at a um, um, legal conference mm-hmm. and the keynote was a Anglican monk mm. and he um spoke and this is very you know this was fascinating to me part of it was the experience of it but part of it was looking around at the rest of the audience these are all of these very high powered this was a conference of a of successful attorneys it's mm. called the Atticus uh group which is not just your average attorney but very successful um growth oriented attorneys and they were all sort of uh, type, I mean, typically type A, mm-hmm. very high powered. And uh, the monk spoke at a extremely slow pace. <laughs> and I was looking around to see if anybody was getting agitated. Right. No one was. Mm. And I never, I've, I've been to a lot of these conferences and everybody has feedback. And everybody, they like this guy, they don't like this woman, whatever it is. A hundred percent. I was shocked at how everybody loved this presentation. Yeah. And what was interesting about it was then at the end of the presentation, he took some questions and then he spoke in a normal rate. Oh, this interesting. Was very, very intentional. Mm. He was showing us, he was, you know, and it was just an amazing experience for everybody in that room. And there was probably, I'm going to say, close to 200 attorneys in that room. Oh, my. Wow. And they, there, you couldn't, like, nobody got up and went to the bathroom. <laughs> nobody was in the back talking on their cell phone. You could have heard a pin drop. And yeah. he spoke at such a, a slow pace. Like, I feel like there's some value in that for all of us, regardless oh, of the dementia diagnosis. Completely. I mean, I, I will say this every time. I am so blessed being in their presence because you know, we often talk in our culture about, oh, it's so important to be in the moment, be in the moment, right? And we have to train ourselves to do it. But people with dementia, that's all they have is this moment. They don't have five minutes ago. They don't have five minutes from now. They have right now. And being with them, I enter into that space with them. And it is such a gift to me. They become my teachers. And right. I I get the value from that uh, being with them. I, it it sets me up for the week. That's amazing. It's amazing to think about because it's really hard. We have our our audience is going to be um, a pretty broad audience, but there's a good portion of them that are going to be working in the long term care industry and working mm-hmm. with folks that have dementia. And I always want to, you know, acknowledge that, that Mm, we can learn from our clients, from our patients, from our residents, that some of the um, 
agitation of life, some of mm-hmm. our anxiety, some of our depression, some of our experiences could be better if we learned from everyone <laughs> around us, including mm. those that can't fully participate or, or perceive everything that's going on around them. Right, but to right. learn from that experience of being in the moment, mm-hmm. I think that's a that that's a, a fantastic reminder for everyone. Mm, it really is. And caregivers, oh, I mean, you know this as well as anyone. I want to kiss the feet. You know, they're they're amazing, these caregivers. And they have an intense, intense job. And I never want to diminish the fact that the journey with dementia is hard. It's really hard, but there is this beauty in it. If we will see that and enter into that, it's not that we're going to get that right every time or, you know, be like all Zen about it every time, because it is hard (laughs) and there's, there's challenges, no question about it. But again, there's these gifts of beauty and the divine that enter in that if you're open to that and you have some tools to meet that and to interact with that part of of humanity part of their personhood the blessings are myriad and you know that can't be understated how difficult it is it is oh my goodness incredibly difficult and in no way are either of us implying anything other than that mm-hmm. um and the idea is to try to find some joy in that exactly to find yeah. some learning in mm-hmm. um you know uh, it, part of the christian tradition is that there is value in suffering mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. right. and i think that there is um an importance to that and a lot of people like a good part of society says suffering is bad and there's mm-hmm. nothing good about it mm-hmm. well okay but there will be suffering that's a truth <laughs> right. that's just right. is re- there will be suffering mm-hmm. and so the I think a good part of probably all religious tradition, but particularly Christian religious tradition, is that there is value in suffering. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying, okay, we should encourage suffering. It's saying that there's value that we can get from that. Well, that there's there's purpose behind um, not pushing away, but entering in. and yes. And I think that's that's always a challenge. Of course, we want to avoid suffering. But you know, when I when I have Bible studies or discussions with elders with dementia, and we talk about suffering, we talk about hardship, they get it. I mean, they they understand this is Absolutely. real. You know, I always say, well, who here has had a completely pain-free life? You know, they, <laughs> that always gets a laugh, right? right? They understand, but but they know, and it's actually partly, you know, it's my job to remind us, you know, I'm with them. Um, God is with you in this. This is not the end. This is not the final story. This is, we are, we may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. In that Psalm, David doesn't say, well, maybe if I walk through the valley of the shadow right. you know, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with me. You know, we, we're not in this alone. So even though, yeah, that suffering is real and hard and the elders get it, um, they they want and they believe in that hope that God is with them. There is purpose in just being with God, accessing God's presence and strength and looking forward in hope. 
to our final destiny where there will be no more crying and no more tears and no more pain. That's according to our, our Christian scriptures. So yeah, it's, you know, living in that reality. So how do we access your services? What would be the best way? How do we get more information about what you do? How do we bring that into some of the Mm. communities? Thank you for asking. So two major um, avenues. Uh, One, as I said, I created spiritualeldercare.com when I was looking for materials uh, to do uh, dementia-friendly spiritual care and couldn't find any online, online, so I created spiritualeldercare.com. It has um, a lot of information on there. I I kind of laugh because I feel like, wow, I get a little carried away because I love this stuff so much. There's more than a year's worth of theme-based worship services There's more than a year's worth of weekly uh, dementia-friendly Bible discussions. Again, it's it's meant to be very engaging. So they're not just talking at a group. They're interacting with questions and meditations. There's more than 100 free download. All this stuff is free. uh, Free downloadable professionally recorded hymns, uh, which again, as we've mentioned on this podcast earlier, music turned out to be such a huge, huge part that in uh, of this kind of care that in 20, I think it was 2018, I wasn't, I, again, I didn't find anything online in terms of hymns that were dementia friendly, which meant that they were slower, Mm. shorter, right in in a lower key. Mm. And so I thought, well, I guess I'm going to create them myself. So I hired musicians and oh, nice. very simple recordings. It's a single male voice, a single female voice, a simple piano accompaniment. Anyway, those That's are great. all online to download. So the, all that stuff is on my website. As of uh, 2020, thanks to COVID, <laughs> I created a YouTube channel. That was yeah. never in my plan to do that. <laughs> but uh, now I have uh, those services. They're a shortened version of the church services. And then the hymns with lyrics, again, very easy to read lyrics, again, all up on my um, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash spiritual elder care. And even the Bible studies are coming. I'm in the process of, of creating Bible study discussion videos, which again are intended to, uh, for let's say an activity professional to put them on, but pause them at certain points that I tell you to pause the video to have a discussion with the group. It's not meant, nothing that I do is meant to be something that you just plunk people in front of. It's meant to be interactive and engaging. So uh, yeah, those are the two big channels, the written materials and then the video materials. Uh, So you had mentioned earlier that you have a partnership with one organization. If there is a group that that is listening to this podcast and um, there's, you know, a variety of organizations probably that this might go out to, is there any way that they could find a way of partnering with you? Oh my goodness. I'm always, um, I love to get inquiries from people and I do get inquiries. This amazes me, actually. I get inquiries from all over the world. Yeah, nice. From people saying, well, how do I do this at my place? How do I start? I got an email just yesterday from someone, I'm trying to remember where they were, who said, I've never even been in a Bible study, but I feel like mm-hmm. I want to lead a Bible study for my memory care residents. How would I start? I love getting inquiries like that. So that's great. Yes, please reach out to me through my website. There's a contact form on there. 
Um, again, with with other faith traditions, if that's something you're interested in, I really do. I mean, I partnered with Coro Health because I love their vision and what they do um, and what they're trying to provide for seniors from any faith tradition. So definitely would would check them out as well. Well, fantastic. Elisa Bosley, this has been a, a, an excellent conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you. This is something that I've been looking very forward to. Um, so this has been a, one of my favorite uh, presentations <laughs> of Advice from Your Advocates. And don't forget to uh, subscribe and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit manorlawgroup.com.